0: Hey, Rabbi, how are you? I'm great. Uh, <laughs> Sunny. Sunny. Well, I'm thrilled to have Rabbi Carolyn Braun with us today. We've been really looking forward to this conversation. Rabbi Braun's the spiritual leader of Temple Bethel, the conservative synagogue here in Portland, where she's served since 1994, I believe. December. Pretty amazing. So that's
1: almost 1995.
0: So, how many years is that, Rabbi?
1: I think it's 26.
0: <laughs> it's exciting. I would love to talk a little bit about your background and then cover some more topical issues um, that people are, are bringing to the table these days. Um, if you want to just share how you decided to come to Portland in the first place.
1: So I never wanted to be a pulpit rabbi. I was going to work for Hillel, right, which I did when I was uh, before I went to rabbinical school and during rabbinical school. And I worked, for, for, um, worked at hospitals and at, at federal prisons and did all sorts of things that um, was not gonna be in the pulpit. And my first job was at Mount Holyoke as the Jewish chaplain there. And when I read my tea leaves pretty well that they were going to, they couldn't really afford chaplains there. And so mm-hmm. I looked at, I wondered where I would wanna possibly go next. And when I was in college, as an undergraduate, my best friend lived on, um, on the West End of, uh, of Portland. And I spent a summer with her. And it, in fact, it became the house that the um, Valine Tagersal and Robert Levine lived in.
0: No kidding. And in
1: fact, I ended up buying their house, which is where I live what? now. Wow. So, so weird. But so I knew about Portland and the congregation opened up. And um, I thought, you know, I'll give it a try. And so I did.
0: So you were among the first female rabbis. You were in the first class, I believe at JTS that ordained women, is that right?
1: I was in the first class and um, I always like to say that I would have been the third ordained rabbi. It went alphabetically, but, um, but my friend whose last name was Friedgood uh, married someone whose last name was August and um, A took over for B, <laughs> so I got pushed to the fourth position.
0: <laughs> that's still, that's a big deal, and I know when you were yes. hired here, it was a big deal. Um, how, what was the experience like for you as a student and also thinking about taking on this leadership role in a new way for this community?
1: I mean, it wasn't easy, and I think that we were very driven. I'd wanted to be a rabbi since I was 10 years old. I didn't come from a, um, an observant religious home at all, um, but I don't know, I got the bug or something. And, um, and that's another long story and and entertaining, but, um, but so I started actually at the seminary before they allowed uh, women into rabbinical school. In fact, I had spoken about where I might go for rabbinical school and decided that I just really wanted to, um, be in the conservative movement, and so I spent um, a year in Israel, and then two years getting a master's degree, and that was in nineteen. Uh, I finished that up in 1984, and that was the year they opened rabbinical school to to women. So I was sort of involved in that pre-breaking open the walls time, and then um, and then the time in the seminary, and it was it was really hard. I think I think if you ask. Um, any LGBT uh, people who have been in that kind of situation, any Jews of color. I mean, it—it it is really, it's really hard, but when, but you're very driven. And um, so, and it was just, it really was slogging through many, many, many classes. I mean, you didn't have a lot of time to think of things, but um, they made me the gabae of the first egalitarian minion that met mm-hmm. at at the seminary. So I was, so I was the one who had to get the people who would lead services and read Torah. And, and it was, it was so frightening, but I had a really wonderful advisor and it, um, so it was pretty, I never put myself, I I never dove in there. I was too scared.
0: (laughs) And when you got to Portland too, I mean, I, now we're very used to the idea that there are rabbis with all kinds of different identities, but that was not the case for you when you were first here. How was that process?
1: I don't know if any of us were aware of the subtleties. And um, uh, it was also a very difficult process. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, I love Portland. I I love the community, but Portland can be a very hard place to to come into as an outsider to begin with. And then when one follows a rabbi who's been there for, 30 years or however many years Rabbi Skye was there, and then a woman, and then a a short woman. So you don't have that stature. None of us were prepared, I think.
0: Sometimes that leads to really amazing things though. You try things that you didn't think you could because you didn't know you were trying them. I mean, I, I think the transformation that happened here through your leadership is really significant.
1: Well, that's very sweet to say. Sometimes, sometimes you're just so much in the weeds, you don't. One does not notice what is happening really on the on the great outside. But I think that um, I I wished that the movement had prepared congregations, mm-hmm. and I wish the movement had prepared us. And um, I think that there was a lot of um, gnashing of teeth. There was a lot of. Uh, you know, it, it was hard work to uh, to break through both. Well, for a million reasons, but but one of them being being a woman, and um, one of them being young. Sure. And, and I think the seminary made the mistake, which is why I've really supported any sort of new things that happen with the conservative movement. Is that they made the mistake of saying, "Well, we let you in. Now go." <laughs> right. It'll, it'll be fine yeah. you'll work it out yeah. right. or it's not our problem that's your problem and I think I think you know how many years later I graduated in 1988 so all these years later I think they're coming around and doing some pretty amazing things but it took them a long time and I have to hand it to those people who put their trust in me who said no we're going to we're going to hire this person because uh, that really and I don't think I understood it that that much at the time, but I look at it, I look back at it now and say they were taking a big step. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Portland in a
0: funny way always has this ability to be, to really think outside the box and, do, but people will tell you, well, it's, it's quiet and it's, you know, <laughs> reserved, but in the end, a lot <laughs> gets done and a lot, a lot moves. So. True. It's true. Um, You alluded to the story of how you, as a child wanted to be a rabbi. And I love this story because I think often people assume that rabbis come from very devout households, really traditional environments. And that's not the case for you. You ended up taking this on as a really in- internal individual commitment. Can you talk a little bit about that, that piece?
1: Yeah, I have this friend who used to be a priest. He left for very good reasons. And um, he, um, he called it grace that the Christians call this grace, which is that something something happens and there's no, there's kind of no reason for it. There's some sort of holy thing that happens. And um, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what gave me the bug, but um, I really, I, I, my parents thought that religion, and I think they're right in a way, but my parents said that religion was the opiate of the masses which is maybe why I am the kind of rabbi I am. I understand both sides of the equation. And I would do things like on, on Friday night, I would go up into my bedroom and light candles, you know, learn the blessing and, and light candles. And then, you know, if um, if it got too obvious to my parents, I'd blow them out. But that was no big deal because it was the 60s. So everybody lit candles and incense. Incense,
0: and right. <laughs>
1: So, so I just didn't want them to know that they were Shabbat candles, but otherwise, and and I just, I just have always had, and I wish I could, I wish I could instill it in in people who who want it. I just have this very comfortable um, relationship with God, mm-hmm. and and it's kind of always been that way. Maybe because uh, my parents thought it was crazy. So, you know, you always want to do something your parents. A little
0: rebellious. Yeah.
1: (laughs) They thought it was a, a fad that I was a phase that I was going to get over. I actually remember announcing to them when I was a senior in college and, and the seminary wasn't, wasn't open to women yet, but I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I remember saying to them, you know what? I figured out what I want to do. I want to be a rabbi. And I remember my mom going, Bob, Bob, listen to this, she wants to be around. <laughs> but now no, I just I I just really have this very comfortable feeling around um God and ritual and Judaism and other religions too. I mean, I I'm not I don't feel superior in any way, shape or form, but it just feels right. Grace. Well, and-
0: I think that that there's a piece of that that creates a lot of spaciousness for people to bring whatever they're feeling to the table. Um, We've definitely seen a lot of changes in religiosity over time, both here in Portland and also nationwide. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: It it seems like there's almost sort of opposing elements to this where people are looking for ways to connect and ways to plug in and and, um, be comforted and be in community. And at the same time, not always going to religious um, services or having the same kind of religious connections right. that they used to. How do you think about creating spaces that you know allow for people to show up wherever they are but still move Jewish life forward?
1: Yeah, you know, so I um so one of the things that I think I have is this is this sympathy for what it feels like to feel stupid in in that in the religious atmosphere. Um, because, you know, as women, you know, we didn't really participate. And I knew a lot of people who went to day school and had sort of a background and I didn't. So, so I have, there's, there's that part. I think I've, I've really um, taught myself in some ways, maybe as being a woman and, and having that uh, tension all the time. So I've really, I really try to figure out what it must be like for the other person. That's one of the reasons why I wish I could just hand people my bug and and say gee this, this was pretty satisfying for me but right. um but you know not everybody it took me a long time to realize that um that not I mean not that long but m- a lot of people aren't shuel goers and you know I I don't I don't really enjoy Chinese opera so it's <laughs>
0: something for everybody yeah There's
1: something for everybody and and i think that the um the the divinity the, the thing that i call god um is as broad as as each person is so it's not hard to make space for that because basically my work is to just help people get to where they probably want to be you know without forcing them or shaming them or judging them or and uh, you know, if a person Shabbat is going out and um, serving food at Preble Street before, before COVID, what a wonderful way to, um, to engage spiritually. Now, do I wish more people came to synagogue? Of course I do.
0: <laughs> well, what are, the, what are the trends that you're seeing? Um, I know we've had a lot of people moving to the area in the last 10 years from away, um, I've heard great things about the board of Bethel being really vital and active and um, lots of young people joining. Um, are, what kinds of changes do you see that you're excited about? What kinds of things are you are you more concerned by?
1: Well, times are weird right now. I mean, one of the, I mean, that's a no-duh statement, but, um, uh, you know, we've never been here before, ever. And so, so I was extremely worried that what, what would we do after uh, when we closed down the building? And uh, even though I, we, I've always thought that things should happen outside of the building also, but, um, but I really wondered what was going to happen. And at the very beginning, there was a lot more uh, participation than we'd had even before because people were reaching out and wanted to, wanted to be together, even if it were Zoom. I resisted Zoom for a long time, maybe a month, and then I said, "No, nah, I have to. I can't do this to to my community or to myself. I really have to reach out in some way or another." And um, so, in some ways, and I think that that has um, has diminished somewhat now. There, you know, where there used to be twenty people at Morning Minion, there there are ten. Or so, and um, and we only have. Uh, I tried to do some Friday night things, and it seemed like people weren't really into that all the time. And, and but my Saturday morning crew really wanted to wanted to meet. So what Rabbi says, no, we can't meet. <laughs> right. So that's an ongoing thing. And then it's really kind of hustling to. Um, I'm sure you guys do the same thing. You know what what can we what can we offer. And, and I think what I've found, what this time has really done for me is broadened my mind a lot, it's, you know, close to what you said at the, asked at the beginning about, you know, how do you make that space? Well, there are so many ways right now to, to make the space. And um, I, even I've been taking online classes that, that I really enjoy. I haven't ever had time to learn That's and great. study, and now I have a little bit of time to do that, but. What it's going to be like when we begin again, I give that a lot of thought. And I suspect, you know, I suspect next high holidays is, are going to rock. Yeah. They pretty much rock this year, too, but in a yeah. different way. Um, and I think we've learned how to meet people more where they are than where the institution is. Yeah. Yeah. I know
0: a lot of people are talking about accessibility in new ways that, you know, assuming that it's always great to be in person was just our defaults, but you know, what could we do to sometimes do things still on Zoom or both, you know, a mix of in yeah. person yeah, and online.
1: Yeah, there've been a number of people have asked about um, taking um, Judaism for the curious, kind of a um, conversion kind of classes. Although, you know, I, I always call it just basic Judaism, but uh, you know, I'm starting up a class. Uh, there must be 10 or 15 people that are that are interested. So we'll see where that goes. And a lot of them are people who have, this is, um, a, a lot of them are people who have made a change. They've moved up here from somewhere and they, I think they kind of say now's the time. If I'm going to do this, now would be a good time.
0: That's great. I mean, this idea of a moment when there's more creativity and more openness to trying things is, is not a bad thing. It's hard that it's had to happen in such a traumatic way <laughs> for all of us, um, but I, Rabbi, I know you've you've been involved in the community in lots of ways, and you talked about, you know, maybe some people feel working at Preble or volunteering at Preble Street is a way to, to give back. I know you give back in lots of ways. You've been affiliated with United Way as the board member and Maine Medical Center and Waynefleet and all kinds of um, different service activities. What are you doing these days, or what issues are you really
1: engaging in right now? Well, so when... When the lockdown came around, and of course there, there was politics that were out there as well, even before, um, at first I started to feel very overwhelmed. Like, oh, where, I, I can't even figure out how to use my computer, much less, wh- what am I gonna do? But now's the time, we have to be helping each other, we have to be doing this. And I, I really, um, I found myself in the midst of a whirlwind or something. <laughs> And um, so I, I made the conscious um, uh, step to sort of step back. Where, where am I part of the problem? Where am I part of the solution? Where, um, where are we part of the problem? Where are we part of the solution? And I really step back and what I've been working on a lot right now is really um, inclusivity in the synagogue. So um, racial justice, social justice, LGBT, uh, Keshat groups. Um, I mean, it was all stuff that was there, but now I have some time to sit down. We all have some time to sit down and and really kind of make some statements and make some policies and who who are we, who am I? And um, uh, what is going to be my part as soon as I can, um, as soon as I'm let out onto the track, you know? It just seems like it's a time to um, um, a time to look inward and outward, as opposed to before when we were running around. It was like only looking outward. If I were to make a list of what has gone well, um, you know, I think people become incredibly creative, and I love these outside. That you know, normally we'd go, "Oh my gosh, it's forty degrees out. I'm not going outside." And now we're we're you, you know being uncomfortable so that we can be with our friends. And that is such a, I mean, to me, that's sort of a spiritual act also. It's
0: true. I know you also, you have Shabbat Bahuts, these walks that people take too. I mean, it's, yeah, there's so much creativity about how to observe and how to bring, make the day a little bit different on Shabbat, for example. Um, you've been doing outdoor Havdalah, is that right, the last couple of weeks?
1: no, we're um, we're starting at Hardy Mater oh, Hardy Manu, Havdalah. We did something, what did we do outside? Yeah. It was the, it was the uh, menorah, the uh, Hanukkah lighting. And that, that was, um, that was really fun. We have that. And we have that great new area now too. It's beautiful. Um, it's amazing.
0: And what a, what a blessing at this time too. Just perfect.
1: You no, know, I was talking to somebody whose wedding had to be postponed last year. And we were talking about where, you know, what to do this year. And I said, Hey, you could be the first wedding. Oh, that's the Goldberg garden. It'd be great. Well, Rabbi,
0: I've asked people to share um, just because this is still a hard time for a lot of folks. And as you you mentioned, this week in particular has been so intense for people. And last week, too. Um, Where do you turn for comfort? What do you what are you finding helps you?
1: You ask a very good question. In fact, I'm I'm working on something now for the statewide havdalah for um, that's happening next Saturday night, and um, and also last night I just took a class in. Um, it's about finding resiliency in texts, mm-hmm. and um, I. I I sort of think this is this is a hallmark of conservative Judaism, but it, it might be of everything else too. Is that is that I really we live in the gray area? We don't live in it's just this way or it's just that way. It's like well, it's this way, it's that way, and can't be both, so it's that way too. I mean, we really live in this gray area. So so there's um, I don't know. I was just studying this that at the beginning of Habdalah, um, It says. Um, Behold, God is my salvation. God is my redemption. I won't be afraid. And so like on the one hand, when I'm not being practical, I'm just being spiritual. um, This idea that, you know what, the earth has been here for a long, long time. And, you know, we may be shortening the amount of time that the earth is going to be here, but it is, it is much stronger than we are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, there, and somewhere, I believe there is, um, it's one of the reasons I, I feel a good relationship with God, because there are things that I just have to give up. You know, that you, I have to act as though it all realizes, what is that thing act as though it all depends on you, but pray as though it all depends on God. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the um, one of the things that gives me strength and whatever is that um, the, I know that we will endure. Another piece is the amount of um, involvement. A lot of people, there are more people voting. Than ever. There's a lot of work at it. There was, um, um, you know, some good things have been happening, the um, the the protests, the BLM uh, protests, and you know, we're noticing racism now. We're I mean, for those of us who are in privileged positions. I think I think we always did, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think that that in leaps and bounds, we're actually becoming more enlightened. And honestly, this is gonna sound patronizing, but I so don't mean it this way. I think I look to the younger generation and I look to my younger colleagues even um, who are doing incredible things, things that I would never ever think of, but I'm so thrilled they're doing it because then I'll take their ideas. But um, um, there is collaboration happening that never happened before. There is... um, kind of there are relationships that are happening that never happened before and so I really believe that we will endure and maybe we'll even um, bend that arc of justice a little bit more
0: thank you so much rabbi I've been really looking forward to this it was great to have you and to chat
1: yes it's really really fun thank you I hope I didn't talk too much I I you're perfect you're amazing thank you so much rabbi (laughs) thank you JTalks is a project of the Jewish Community Alliance of Southern Maine and is produced by Sarah Halley
0: Richardson. If you are interested in being featured, learning more about the program, or providing support, please feel free to contact us or visit our website at
1: www.mainjewish.org.